Welcome to Innovation Destination, the podcast channel for supply chain industry professionals. This episode is part of our Executive Perspective series, where we will hear from the C-suite of the electronics and manufacturing industry. Here's your host, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Connect, Tyler Fussner. Jim, thank you for joining us today. Hi, Tyler. Nice to be here. If you could, please introduce yourself to our audience. Yes, I'm uh, Jim Banovich. I'm the president and CEO of Marsh Electronics. We are a regional solutions distributor of electromechanical components uh, located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, In addition, we do some light assembly work here with the components we like to sell. We're all about providing solutions to our customers. Kind of a great way to describe Marsh is we do what's called in our industry a lot of non-cancelable, non-returnable type product. Uh, we don't have a lot of customers per SKU, so it's pretty unique to the customer base. So we do a lot of design-in type work, unique stuff for our customers, and then we build our inventory around what their production needs are and, and actually you know, support their, their, uh, their production. Uh, I guess it's kind of the neat thing about Marsh, we've been around – since 1935, uh, headquartered once again out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Excellent. And, and Jim, I would love to hear some more of your uh, storied and unique perspective from uh, from Marsh. And I kind of want to start our discussion by asking you if you could give us a, a pulse reading, so to speak, of the market. How do you how do you see the market uh, closing out here in 2023, and where are we going to land before the new year? I think from an overall standpoint in the electronic components industry, it's probably somewhat flat. For us, though, it's more on an upswing. Um, we we kind of work with what we call second and third tier type customers. A lot of, you know, we don't, we don't work with a lot of on the printed circuit board type products. So, you know, our customer base is a little different, a little unique. What we have found is if you're working with consumer-related type products, uh, we we work with uh, like food and beverage guys where they're building equipment for the food and beverage industry. We've kind of seen that segment slow, a little bit down. But when you get to the other aspect of it where we're working with uh, industrial-type accounts, uh, military-type-related accounts, off-road vehicles, commercial vehicles, that business tends to stay, has been for us, been very active, very busy. It's been on the upswing. And for us, we're going to actually, we're actually going to finish on a very strong upswing. Uh, we've been fortunate. We have a, a large project that we worked with one of our customers that get the, about a six year design in cycle, but it's finally gotten narrowed in, started getting some production going, uh, about mid, mid year this year on a kind of a limited basis. And then it's going to take off in, uh, 2024. So for us, we're on an upswing. And even when you take that project out of the mix, I would say, you know, the remaining part of the military and off-road vehicle business that we have, commercial vehicle business, and then the industrial accounts have still been very active, very active in on the design side. And and their business has been really good. I would say if we took that big project element out, we'd still probably be running about four or five percent over our budget and over last year. Great. Well, congratulations on the big project coming through. And uh, I'm sure you're not alone in, in seeing some give and take, right? There was definitely some success in 23, but it uh, seems like there's definitely some slowdowns as well. 
I'm now going to ask the, the hard question to look into the future. What do you think 2024 is going to come? What should stakeholders anticipate maybe in the, the next coming six months, the next 12 months? Well, I know some of the economists we like to try and follow, they're, they're talking about a mild recession in 2024, maybe in certain pocket areas. I would expect, as we talked earlier, you know, like that food and beverage area, uh, maybe some of the agricultural or uh, lawn equipment type guys that we've worked with, those guys have been kind of slow. I still see them kind of slow. However, when you when you get into certain segments, once again, of, of the markets we deal with, uh, I still see military being very active, the industrial marketplace, and then the off-road vehicles. And we still see a lot of uh, activity going on in the electrification aspect of commercial vehicles and off-road vehicles. Uh, I think we'll see a lot of margin pressure start to come customers. You know, we went through a pretty pretty good period time where there was a lot of growth long lead times of products and pricing was, you know, on constant rises. And with some of the slowness coming in play, uh, there's still some excess inventory out there people are dealing with. Uh, but we are starting to see a little bit more margin pressure or price pressure coming from our customers. So I think we'll still have to deal with some of that. Uh, I think as businesses and business owners, we're still going to see labor issues and the cost of labor continuing to go up. Uh, I know here in Wisconsin, I think they're still talking, you know, on that five to six percent potential average uh, rise in wages for our workplace. So, you know, it's going to be a mixed bag of stuff, some nice positivity out of it, but there'll, there'll be some pressures. Sure. Sure. And I guess the, the follow up to that is, is how does, how does the electronics industry prepare? I mean, no one could have anticipated the COVID pandemic and the shakeup that that caused to the industry. But looking ahead and, and seeing what uh, may be on the horizon, how can you prepare for what's coming in 2024? Well, for us, we're we're trying to do a lot of work internally. Uh, I like to call it modernizing Marsh. We're we're, <laughs> we're we're trying to upgrade our systems. I think one of the neat things, especially for a, a smaller or mid-sized distributor. There's lots of technology platforms out there or technology stacks, I think they like to call it, uh, that you can you can bring into your company and they can kind of match up or bolt up to some of your existing system. And it starts allowing you more tools to work with things like inventory or customer service related stuff, forecasting, ERPs and CRMs. But there's a lot of separate little bolt on items. Uh, that you can get that have a lot of smarts. I think a lot of them are starting to incorporate AI into their to their analytics and their their systems. So it allows us to try and start being a little bit more smarter, try and get a better handle on forecasts and history that our customers supply for us, and then be able to plan uh, how to manage our inventory and build our inventory to support those needs. Uh, I think the expansion of AI into how you work and how you operate in all kinds of different ways can start helping our workforce be able to work a little bit more efficiently, maybe get away, take away some of the redundant tasks and you can have systems and AI in place that can, that can help make us more efficient and more, more productive, you know, cause that kind of then reflects back into pricing and being able to handle labor issues or the availability of labor. But, you know, the other aspect is you got to work with inventory issues and we still see excess inventory in our industry 
and we still are trying to find ways to get better on how to manage that inventory tied to our customers' needs. I think we're also dealing with, we're starting to see our supplier partners reallocate or reshift where they're doing some of their manufacturing. If they were heavily dependent on the China area, they're trying to look at other places to, to manufacture to try and alleviate some of the issues we had during the pandemic. So we're seeing some of the suppliers move operations to Mexico, uh, looking at India. They're looking at other areas of Asia like Vietnam and such like that, Malaysia. So it's those are all good things from an industry perspective and I think from the customer perspective because it can get back into not being dependent on one area of production and where we get these pandemics or these unique situations occur where it starts putting a hamper on production. It's kind of like a customer, you know, you should have multiple parts specced in and, and approved so that you're not single sourced because if something happens to that single source, you can be in a world of hurt and it can really affect your, your production capabilities. So I see that happening uh, as distributors. I see customers looking for more of a need for us to expand our quality capabilities. In other words, being able to do things like PPAPs and qualifications of parts and having higher and more in-depth quality systems embedded into our operations. And we're seeing some of that coming down, being downloaded to us from customers to help them. So it's kind of adding to the value proposition we can provide to them, more service-related type support. We need to also be beefed up in material compliance. Uh, I would say that's an area in the last year we have seen many, many more requests coming from our customers, and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of detail work. It's a lot of busy work that gets put on your procurement teams and your your inside sales teams and your quality teams to go pull that stuff. But once again, that's another area where customers are looking for help from us. Uh, It's kind of a need that they're expecting out of their distributors, and it's just one of those ways that we need to adjust as distributors to support our customers. So those would be some of the big things I would see coming from changes in the industry, changes that our customers are looking for. And and for us, it's also into the value-added services area. For us, value-added is we do assembly, light assembly services here. And I think our customers are also looking at us to expand those capabilities for them. They need us to be able to help them with their production processes which then also helps us manage their SKUs for them, and it provides process efficiency gains for them. But it also allows us to do more of a sub-assembly type work and enhance their production processes. So it's, I think it comes down in the value added and the services area, the quality area, that you're seeing a lot of adjustment for distribution to go down into. Yeah, it seems like there are plenty of options in terms of how to prepare and how to be let's say, better suited to react and and adjust to the needs of your business and the market, a good place to start is is finding those value-added opportunities uh, with those that you partner with. You know, I think it's great for the distribution world. It shows we're more than just a logistics company that just inventories parts and then provides parts for the customers as their production needs go. There's a lot more to us as a distributor. There's a lot. It's a much broader value proposition for our customers and our suppliers as well. It's you know it's it's another way for us to take some capabilities and enhance the products we're representing and taking to the marketplace for our, our suppliers. But our customers are are you know they need help. Uh, they need people that can come in and provide solutions for them. They need people to 
to do more work in the compliance area and the service area, the, the quality area. And, and that's some of that is new for distribution and it's, it's opportunities for us to expand our capabilities and expand our value proposition to the customer. Uh, I think since the pandemic for the world of distributors, it's, it's a great opportunity to help us try and soften that blow. And if, if we have that inventory and we have those value added services in partnership with our suppliers, it should get a little bit more of a comfort level to customers that they're not relied just on a direct relationship. And if, if the supplier for some reason can't all of a sudden provide product in a good lead time or in a good amount of turnaround time, uh, or something goes, they got to get shut down or something. Distribution provides a great buffer to that because we can inventory product. We can put levels of inventory in to try and support those possible shutdowns, those delays in shipment, those extended lead times that may happen. And we, we all know through the pandemic, there's all kinds of areas within the supply chain that can cause disruption and delay. And that's part of the responsibility of distributors for our supplier partners is to try and buffer that and help our customers. Absolutely. Yeah. I think over the last few years, we've, uh, we learned that the hard way. Like you said, there's plenty of areas that things can go wrong, but it sounds like uh, distribution and uh, the distribution industry is, is primed and ready to step up and maybe provide answers in places that customers are going to start looking and new, new places that they're going to look for uh, the solutions to their issues. Absolutely. And I, I think that's kind of, you know, for Marsh, that's fun because we love trying to go into a customer trying to understand, you know, what are their pain points? What are the things they're having difficulties with? And then we can come up with a solution for them. And and that's the fun part about who we are as a small to mid-sized distributor. We have great supplier partnerships, and so it gives us the option to come with a lot of different ideas and solutions to fit a customer's application need. But we're also very flexible, so we can do a lot of different things. We can put a lot of different types of programs, depending on a program a customer is looking for, and then, like I said, with us expanding into some of those quality areas, uh, into those compliance areas, uh, and then continuing to enhance our little light assembly area, we have a great opportunity to provide uh, some unique solutions for our customers and, and get them through some of those things that they need help in. Jim, in the, earlier in our conversation, you had mentioned uh, seeing some ebb and flows in different verticals uh, as, as it pertained to the electronic space in 2023, but looking ahead, do you see any verticals that are poised for rapid growth in 2024? And on the flip side of that, do you see any verticals that maybe will see a reduction or slow in their activities? Well, like I said, we we don't work a lot with commodity-type product and high-volume commodity-type products. So once again, we're kind of unique, so there might be some things that we, we don't see. But once again, I still think through 24, consumer-related type products in our space once again, some of the food and beverage type stuff, maybe some of the lawn and egg equipment type stuff. I, we still see some slowness there, but I think the area of military is going to continue to be high demand and continued growth. Our off-road vehicles and commercial vehicle product group, we see a lot of work being done in the electrification and the EV world, uh, and those are great opportunities. That's not going to slow down. That's going to continue to climb and just get even more active. And then we still see the industrial segment, and that's kind of a – it gets to be a very broad area, but we're, we're still seeing a lot of design activity and opportunities to help our customers do some design and assist. And probably what helps us 
in those segments with them continuing to still be in an upswing, there's an opportunity for us to to help them even more, like I said, with our light assembly and manufacturing areas. So it supports those verticals very well. Uh, and those are the ones I could see from our segment in our space that we still see a lot of lot of activity, a lot of upkeep. And I think at least through 24, some of the commercial-related stuff will be a little slow. Uh, I know the economists that we like to follow, too, they talk more trying to get prepped and see 2025 and 2026 being years of, of good growth. So for Mars, there's a lot of bright opportunities out there. And I think, once again, as we talked earlier, the world of distribution, there's a lot of segments that we can all play in and provide some great value for our customers because they need us. How do you see procurement professionals really setting themselves up for success in the next year? I guess if you could put something atop their priority list, what do you need to to get a good handle on to be more strategic and proactive in the new year? Well, we've always been about relationships and having relationships uh, deep into account and forming those. And I think what's happened through the pandemic, what we have found is if you're a strong partner within your customer and you've had an in-depth relationship and you've been involved with a lot of design work and procurement work and services work with them, you really didn't skip a beat. And as they came out of it, they're actually kind of depending on you even more. I think a lot of our procurement partners with our customers, they're limited in what they have as availability for time. And so I think they're trying to partner with suppliers that can handle the work for them and handle more because they don't have the time to try and develop and qualify new suppliers or new distributors. Um, they're, they're limited. They have scaled back workforces. They're, you know, the availability of labor is, is tight. So I really think our customer procurement teams are looking to partner deeper with existing suppliers and sources they have because they're just limited on what they have availability to do. I think they're looking, once again, they're looking for us to provide more of those services in the quality area and the compliance area. There's a high demand for that stuff and it's very time consuming. And so that's, that's being transferred down to the world of distributors. And if you have those capabilities, it's going to put you in a strong position to help them. I think they're looking for us to provide good market feedback on what's going on in the production area of our, our supplier partners, try and give them some heads up that if there's some issues coming that they can plan better so that we can try to avoid some of these long lead time items that can kick up or production slowdowns or shutdowns to try to minimize all that stuff and eliminate as much of that risk as they can. So, you know, they're looking for us to provide them some market input, some feedback on how our suppliers and our supplier partners are operating. I absolutely agree. I think um, building in those relationships and really strengthening the partnerships that you have is, is only going to open more doors for opportunities on uh, for both businesses. Yeah, and I think we have found what the trend for us is, and of course, this is one of the things that have changed, and I think not only as a distributor that we use, but I'm sure our customers are using it. I'm sure our supplier partners are using it. You know, there's all kinds of analytics out there, and there's all kinds of availability to grab data that we never had 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and it's growing. And it allows you, if you have the right technology tools in place, you can you can do a lot of an analytics and you can try and help make, you know, smarter decisions uh, on what to do. And can we figure out ways to reduce transactions? Uh, I would think our procurement partners are looking for us to do that because 
It can reduce transactions. It allows it to be a lower operating cost for us as a distributor and a lower operating cost for our customers. It means you may not have as, need as many people to process and handle things, so you're more efficient. And if you can do the business analytics and the business analysis of it, of, you know, what cost factors and all that, you can work on trying to reduce transactions. And it's just a little area that we can all work on, but it provides gains for us and it provides gains for our customers. You just touched on the integration of data analytics becoming a, a trend. Do you see other trends within the procurement and distribution spaces uh, that are going to maybe become even more relevant in 2024? Well, I think for us, we've done a lot of transactional analytics. Uh, I see us expanding into what I what I call inventory analytic tools, and that's trying to work with the data we get from our customers and do a better job of supply chain management. And by that, meaning we try and reduce the risk of excess inventory because excess inventory is nothing more than a, a high cost to the distributor. And with the cost of money up, with interest rates up, it just makes the value of that inventory more expensive. And, you know, we need our customers to support that. And for them, that's a cost adder, and they're trying to avoid that as well. But they're also trying to avoid the risks. So if we can use analytics to help help us both be better at our forecasting uh, and then better at how we manage the supply chain inventory aspect of it, it's a gain for both of us. So I see a big growth area for that, and it's just, once again, utilizing that data to collect. I think customers and distributors using some other third-party sources for material conflicts management, that's a huge area that can be very time-consuming, ton of busy work, but customers need that because they have to have that information uh, as part of their products and its requirements coming from down from government regulations and such. So, but it's a big workload on them and it's a big workload on us. And we're, we're finding third party sources that can do a lot of that work to help support both of us. And it's just, once again, it's a, it's an efficiency gain and it's a, you know, it's, it should be a cost gain for both of us. Yeah, it certainly seems that the new year is going to be a big one for digital transformation of the procurement and distribution spaces. It's going to be a lot of new technology coming in to, like you said, create those efficiency gains, realize those efficiency gains that can be implemented through the use of those technologies. Well, the exciting part for it, for somebody like us, you know, we're a small to midsize distributor. And, you know, and our customers, I think, fall in some of those areas too, small to midsize customers. We didn't think about this stuff five years ago because, quite frankly, it was way too expensive for us to be able to do. But uh, we were at a conference back in September, and it was a great eye-opener into the, the technology area, how AI is coming up, the availability of lots of data and data analytics, but just all the different types of technology stacks out there that you can get, that you can integrate into your existing systems or into your business that can help you work better, make better decisions. And the fun part now is they're they're affordable for distributors, companies our size. And I, I think the same is probably applying to our our customers as well as even some of the small mid-sized suppliers we have. You know, we can now get those technology stacks and incorporate them in their business. And just like you said, it's transformation of our business, uh, which allows us once again to operate more efficiently, make better decisions, uh, and hopefully be a better value proposition to to our customers. Uh, and that's exciting. So it's good to be excited about the new year. I know uh, the last few years have been 
pretty wild for a lot of industries, and uh, it, it's good to have a, a bright-looking future ahead. Well, I would say Mars has been very fortunate, I think, because of the type of business we do, uh, the segment that we're involved in. You know, when the pandemic hit, we were deemed critical, uh, so we didn't have to shut down. You know, we saw about a quarter, quarter and a half, two of downness, which was mostly, I think, due to customers trying to figure out how they had to operate and what they could and couldn't do and all that. And that's about all we saw. And, you know, we saw our business bounce back and we continued to grow just because of, I think of our position where we were. So we've been very fortunate. It's uh, worked out well for us, but it sure did. uh, I think the management methodology we had in place allowed us to make the adjustments we needed to do quickly. Uh, and then we were able to start working with our customers. We had great relationships with our suppliers, so we were able to get product as we needed. And, and, and don't get me wrong, we had our challenges, but for us it was kind of fun because it opened up all kinds of new things that we needed to do. And, you know, we're about continual improvement at Marsh, uh, both from a company standpoint uh, and trying to help our customers. And all this stuff, you know, I don't, to me it's exciting because it's, you know, you're, you're getting to almost repurpose your business get to reposition your your business and get it poised for the next generation and the next 10, 15 years. And that's exciting. I mean, for me it is. And I think our, our employees are excited about it because they see us active. They see us doing things to be relevant. Uh, and they see us trying to continue to secure ourselves for the future. And things have changed. The, and the biggest part, though, is how fast it changes. So, Jim, we, we talk a lot about how Marsh works with their customers and their partners. But I'm looking ahead, and I'm curious, how can procurement professionals lean into Marsh for success in 2024? I think they're going to look at us to continue to try and find ways to find cost savings for them. It's turned a little bit with, you know, lead times and products getting a little bit, you know, much more stabilized, at least in the products we deal with. You know, we don't deal in the semiconductor world, but I know there's still lots of issues uh, and demand issues in the in the area for semiconductors and microcontrollers and things like that, and that's going to continue for a while. But in our segment, you know, things have stabilized in the lead time area, and you know, things a little bit slower. That's going to start putting pressure where you know customers are going to be looking for some margin relief and they're going to be looking for some price relief. You know, because they they've got you know we all have similar pressures: labor rates going up, cost of health insurance, just you know, the general things that go on in the, in a business in the expense world is, is all increased and they're looking to try and maintain their bottom lines as well. So I, I think we'll see them leaning into us, trying to find cost savings, trying to find ways. I, I think for us too, transactional cost savings is a big deal because it, it can help us from an operational end. And, you know, that allows you, allows you to get into the soft cost savings with your customer and, and really look at good business decisions. Uh, and try to be good business people beyond just a parts supplier. And, and you can find lots of cost savings and soft cost savings from that, that area. So they're going to be dependent on us to have those types of capabilities and decision-making capability. Uh, I think they're going to want to have us be able to do more with them. In other words, you know, they want to do vendor reduction, try and have run more SKUs through us to try and streamline their processes. So we have to have the ability to expand our offerings, and if it's not a uh, authorized line, because we're very much into wanting to make sure the majority of our business is through our authorized suppliers, and, and that's because you have contractual agreements with them 
you get warranty support, and most most critically is you eliminate the need of you know counterfeit type stuff. Uh, and anytime you work off your line card as a distributor, that's that's a risk area you got to be involved in. And you got to be very careful with. Customers can have us do more for them. That's a benefit for them, and I think they're going to continue to lean into us for that kind of stuff with uh, labor issues. And I think they're going to want to know how raw materials are going, and are there any pieces out there that are going to have supply cause supply chain issues and. A big one for us to watch will be copper because with uh, electrification and batteries, the use of copper demand, I think, is looking to go up over the next several years. And that's involved in just about every element of electronic components you can think of. And, you know, they're going to be dependent on us watching that and, you know, make sure we're, we're keeping them abreast of how it may affect them from lead times of parts and such. And in the quality area, I think they're looking to us to do more help for them and support in the quality area uh, and expand our quality capabilities as a distributor. It's not only components, it's a lot of those little extra service areas and value proposition areas that allow us to help our customers more. Jim, thank you for sitting down and, and speaking with us today. We really appreciate you taking the time. It was a lot of great info and a very good and positive perspective for the 2024. Well, Tyler, it was a pleasure spending some time with you and, and reflecting back on what we see and what's going on, we think, in the world of uh, electronic component distribution, at least from our perspective. So thanks for the opportunity. It's great. Thank you for listening to this episode of Innovation Destination. Follow us online at supplychainconnect.com or find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter to stay up to date on the latest supply chain industry news. Do you have any questions or is there a topic you would like us to cover in a future episode? Please contact us at editors at supplychainconnect.com. That's E-D-I-T-O-R-S at supplychainconnect.com.